it's wild that this is the world that we've inherited. And now we get to decide what type of ancestors we want to be. We get to decide what legacy we want to leave. Beyond just the Facebook, beyond just the podcast, beyond just this moment right here, right now, what do we want our children and our grandchildren to know about what we stood for and how we stood up for that? And if that's not the greatest spiritual practice, then I don't know what is. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. <laughs> it's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. You ready? Ready. <laughs> Are you ready, guys? <laughs> ready? Okay. <laughs> you were never a cheerleader. Uh-uh. Okay. I don't look like a cheerleader. I mean, we kind of do. Yeah, that's so fucking true. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been a cheerleader ever in my life. I think I wanted to be. Maybe. I don't know. I think I had the thought, like, maybe I should want this, but I never mm. wanted it. No hate, dude. Cheerleading Oh, yeah. I just fuck. didn't have it at my school. You, you didn't? Mm-mm. Hmm. No school that I went to had it. Did you guys have sports? Yeah, but it was LOL. Oh, because it was because cheerleaders <laughs> cheer for men normally, and yeah. you only have women. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was all it's girls seven, seven through twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting though, because it's like technically by general standards, mm, who would they cheer for? Exactly. But cheerleading's like not all, really about that. It'd be funny if they like shipped us to the all boys school to cheer for them. So inappropriate. Why can't cheerleaders cheer for girls? Exactly. Because then we'd be, I don't know. Big old lesbian cheerleaders. Well, that's what that's what immature middle schoolers exactly. and high schoolers would say. That's mm-hmm. why it's like not done. But anyway, yeah, literally our, our, our uh, athletic games would be just sparse as hell. Unless we were like winning, which mm-hmm. was really meaning like winning in like a conference or something mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, we played tennis. There'd be like one nun, mm-hmm. just chilling, <laughs> just sleeping. <laughs> He's like napping. Uh, how are you guys? How's how everyone are doing? How are you feeling? Um, we sending you love and light. Can't believe it's halfway through August. Can't believe yeah, we're dude. basically halfway, a little maybe over halfway through the tour. Except we keep adding stops, so that's not really true. But. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Man, it's almost two, 2018's over. Covered a lot of ground. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. First time in Seattle this recently. Yeah. Cool city. Really, really beautiful. Cool city. I wish we got to explore more, to be yeah. honest. We didn't get to go like into nature, which I hear is yeah. the bee's knees over mm-hmm. there. Um, but it was beautiful and everyone was so kind. The food was awesome. And our event freaking rocked. Mm-hmm. Rocked. The ride was really good too. Yeah, the ride was a lot of fun. We did good a cycle ride and everyone showed up. I honestly I think maybe like 10 out of 62 people knew about the podcast. Mm, yeah, I agree. I mean, but 
we discuss this, like it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, it's better. It's better that they don't know because we're spreading the word. Um, so yeah, we do Soul Cycle rides in pretty much every city that we go to. So look out for that if you are coming to our tour. Um, what did you love about Seattle? Mm, the ice cream. <laughs> we went to Frankie and Joe's in Seattle. It's a plant-based ice cream. So fucking good. We went two nights in a row. If and we decided you that. plant-based ice cream amazing, it was so good. So good. I think it's a cashew and coconut, coconut cream. cream base. And the flavors. It's so funny because Justin was like not having it, but I didn't know. Like you knew that he probably didn't like it, but... <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll have the California cabin, which is like pretty much pine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the flavors are kind of crazy, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Highly recommend if you're in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then the event on Saturday at the Riveter was beautiful. Beautiful. The space was stunning. Natalie Miles just blew everyone away. It was pretty. It was pretty incredible. Um, she talked a lot about you know, following your intuition and connecting to your spirit guides. And then she gave people messages for about an hour and a half. And it was the craziest experience. That one. Which one? In the beginning, you know. The rock one. Oh, that one was good the rock too. And roll. That one was really that good was a too. Good way to start. Was, the rock and roll one was crazy. Yeah. So there was a girl in the front row. I wish I remembered her name. I'm so sorry. But um, Natalie was hearing rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. And she's she, like, they're really rocking out. Yeah, really rocking out. Like you need to be listening or playing rock music more. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, I teach toddlers all day. And like, I am such a rocker. Like she's in like, that's my, my outlet. Like that is my outlet. Mm-hmm. So it was just crazy. And she's then, like, I love rock music so much. She was so passionate. I loved her. She was so passionate. Mm-hmm. And then the plant one. Plant one was crazy. What was the plant one? The plant one was Natalie walks up and she goes to this girl who's here with her friends. She's like, do you have plants? And the girl's like, yes, I love plants. And her friends are like, she loves plants. She has so many plants. She was like, do you have like a lot at your house? She's like, yeah. She's like, do you have a big one at the top of the stairs on the right? She's like, yeah. She's like, is he healthy? She's like, kind of. She's like, but you've had to like trim his leaves a lot. And she's like, yeah. And then basically the plant ended up saying that he wanted her to talk to him more. And stop trimming the leaves. Mm-hmm. He's like, could you stop trimming mm-hmm. my leaves? I don't know if he said- Or, or he something about it. it. There was some, he either liked it. Oh no, he liked it because then it meant that there was more of him. Oh, that's right. He, okay. like an he didn't like something. He I had forget. like big dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> He's- Totally a fiddly fig. Yeah, he was like, he would, and his name was Charlie. That was basically it. Yeah, she's like, does he have a, oh, you said, does he have a name? Yeah, but then there was just a bunch of readings that were like really powerful and then some were deep, some were not, but the messages were crazy. So it was really, really fun. Really fun. Yeah, and me and Lindsay were just like following Natalie around trying to get messages, but like discreet (laughs) about it, so. (laughs) We we definitely got some messages. Um, She's so sweet. What'd you get? I got the house shopping thing, looking for furniture. Mm, that was a good one. She turned to me. She's like, what is this party this weekend? And I was like, oh. oh. So my best friend, um, this comes out after that, but uh, my best friend is getting married. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is a like the most fun. 
like it's high fashion, it's fun. You're like, mm. she just like described it and it was just oh, so that's sweet. So cool. And I told Maddie about it and he started crying. He's like, I know it's gonna be great. Oh my God. <laughs> the week of your wedding, tell me, people, if you've gotten married, do you just cry out yeah. of happiness? Because you're just anticipating like the best day ever. So yeah, I'm excited about that. But um, Justin was in Seattle too, oh, which was so fun. So fun. I'm so glad he came. Put him to work. So glad he came. So glad he came. The penny came to Seattle. And he which ate was really vegan fun. ice cream two mm-hmm. nights in a row and didn't go across the street and get pizza like he mm-hmm. wanted to. I know he wanted to, <laughs> but he didn't. No, it was great. I can't wait. I can't wait for us to like bring our, our babes mm-hmm. on tour. Mm-hmm. Cool. He was playing video games on his phone the whole time. It's okay. Hey. Oh, you know. Hey. What do I got to do? You got to pick your battles is what you got to do. Sexuality. Oh yeah. That girl that came up to you. So we got messages from a listener of ours at the Seattle event. She came up to me. I didn't know she came up to you. She came up to me and she's said, so cool. I loved her. she's really sweet. Um, I loved that she has a beautiful name. It's like, it starts with an H. There's a crew of five girls that met recently in Seattle and they were hanging mm-hmm. out all the time. And we talked for a long time after and they were so fun and cool. I'm so grateful for that so conversation cool. with them. She was like, you need, I have a message for you. You need to sing more. And I was like, I know. Mm. We talked a lot about that. I was like, yeah, I know. Mm. It was a good message though. I've been get. it's literally, I guess the third time, third time comes in threes. Someone else, two other people have told you that? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, Natalie was one of them in my private reading a while ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. What did she say to you? Embrace my sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. I feel like a douchebag sometimes because it's like I'm blonde and I have big tits and I'm tall. So it's like, it's it's already, it's it's obvious, right? obvious for, for most people. I wonder what it means though. Like I, I'm not saying like, I, I totally, do you know what I, mean? I actually completely understand what she's saying actually 100%. So mm. mm-hmm. it's just, it, there's an ease and there's an easing into it. There's like a comfort with totally. it. You know what I mean? Totally. There's like a fluidity to it. I am just completely joking, but I completely understand what she means. Mm-hmm. It's always fun when people kind of give you these. Messages. Yeah. I love it. You're like, whoa. I love it. Welcomed. Yeah. All right, guys. So this one is, that's great. It was a conversation that yeah. we had um, wanted to have with Thais, with our community. It's just kind of the beginning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would just, this one, I just would note. So this conversation is a little bit different than some of our other conversations. We're talking about white privilege. Um, we're talking about how can we be more supportive of other races, other communities? How can we embrace diversity in our everyday? How can we provide a safe space for this sort of conversation? So it's kind of intense. I actually had like a moment uh, during it where I was um, pretty affected. Um, I'm just really feeling like I'm feeling the push and I'm feeling the pull to continue to evolve this podcast and continue to grow it and grow the people that are incorporated into our um, conversations and our roster and our community. Um, And that's just something that's been really important to me. So having this conversation out loud was something that was, you know, really needed. Yeah, it was needed. And I guess also I walked away from the conversation just feeling, you know, we've always been very open and honest with our community and been ourselves 
And the truth is that we're learning throughout this whole process of creating this community and hopefully just, I mean, feeding this something greater than, you know, what we initially thought this would be. And so we're going to make mistakes and we are going to ask a lot of questions and ask for help. And, and so, you know, I, I, that's kind of what I walked away with where it's just being really kind to ourselves as we do this work and as um, we just continue the conversation. So really grateful to Tai Sky for coming on and starting this conversation. We, we can't wait to talk to you about this and anything else you guys want to talk about. You know, we are always open to any conversation and always active in the group. So um, yeah. Yep. And I guess this is the last thing I'll say that I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So putting this out there, putting this kind of conversation out there, asking for openness from our listeners, from our community um, as we get this going. Yeah. You know, just growing Almost 30 Nation in the best way we know how and supporting you guys in the best way that we know how and the best way um, that you guys have told us we should. So really um, just like Lindsay said, learning along the way. Yeah. We love you guys. Enjoy this episode. Join our secret Facebook group if you you haven't already. Um, we've gotten a thousand new members in the last like 20 days. Mm-hmm. So it's grown- oh, less than that. Less than that. Yeah. It's growing like crazy. So, so happy to have you in there. Uh, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, means Join the our world newsletter. means the world to us. Join our newsletter. Um, you can do that on almost 30 podcast.com and we'll see you on tour. Almost 30 podcast.com slash tour. Enjoy this one. Before we even start, I just have to say your Facebook group, Mm. like it comes up on my feed and I don't have the capacity to be in there, but I am just honoring the amazing community you two have. Mm. I mean, people are really showing up in there. It feels like a really beautiful, safe space for women. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is so rare and so essential. So I'm just honoring you both for cultivating Mm. that space. I know it's not easy. Mm. Yeah. And thank you for being um, a part of the group. And also when you can, you know, I know you are so busy, but. Well, I'm so busy. I'm just like, (laughs) so busy. But you have been vocal and like, (laughs) I, I think always just kind of like, you know, supporting and enlightening people in the group. So, you know, we really appreciate that. Yeah. The group is so special. It's like. It's really crazy. I don't yeah. And I look, it's like a little nerve wracking when we grow. I'm like how we have like 5,000 or so now, maybe 5,500. And I'm like, how could we have 30,000 of them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like thinking about growth. I'm like, like, I do get a little nervous. I'm like, how could we have, you know, this many women that are so open and loving on a grander scale? Yeah, It's always like, they're always, you know, there could be something that like, gets lost in the mix or just a little bit scary to think about like the size right now. I'm like every day when I check just posts, just randomly seeing what's going on, like, okay, you know, everything's fine. Everything's good. There's never been anything that's been negative or, I mean, everything is with such love and curiosity. Mm. 
um, and openness. But, you know, we obviously do want to grow. We want it to expand. We want it to evolve. And we want to like use it as sort of like a compass for us in our evolution. And it has been that way so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the conversations that we're having have provided an opportunity for Lindsay and I to evolve, for us to evolve um, together as a community. And I'm like excited to see, you know, what happens in the future. Yeah. I mean, I know that growth always brings unexpected, unexpected things. Mm-hmm. So it's just all about expanding your container, you know, as mm-hmm. you expand your container, then it will come, it will yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for both of you. Thanks, Thank you. Honey. And us, you. Can you bring us up to speed? What's going on yeah. with Sky? Oh, and introduce goodness. yourself for those of our listeners that haven't listened to your first episode, which I'd be surprised if they haven't. It was, exactly. hot, it was hot fire flame. Yeah, I mean, no, I truly. do not understand why we you still were get messages so about fun. it. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> It was so fun. It was so fun. (laughs) So I'm Thais Guy. I live here in LA. I am a a women's life coach and I'm currently in grad school um, to be a psychotherapist. Not sure Mm -hmm. what that route will look like yet, but I do a lot of work with women around the worthiness wound and this sense of debilitating inadequacy that I think so many of us carry. Um, And so I do one-on-one coaching. I do groups. I do all the things, but my work has really been how can we stay with ourselves? How can we stay with ourselves when shit hits the fan? Mm. How can we not leave? And so I've been really looking at all the ways that we do leave and all the ways that we can start to come back after we've left. Mm. What does leaving mean? Great question. I would say leaving is self-annihilating. Leaving is the judgment, the blame, the guilt, the shame. Leaving is the numbing. Leaving is Mm. the over-exercising because we're so scared to be with our pain. Leaving is addiction Mm. to food, addiction to alcohol, addiction, addiction, any form of addiction. We're all addicted. We're addicted to our shitty thoughts. We're addicted to um, shitty people. We're addicted and we let that lead our lives. And so those are the ways that we leave. We leave the pain because we all have pain. We all have suffering. You know, I I have always been attracted to Buddhism and um, the four noble truths, like the four truths that this enlightened guy came up with, like out of all of the things in the world he could have came up with, like Mm -hmm. the one of the first ones is life is suffering. And come on, it's so critical that we understand that life is inevitably suffering. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be human. It is so hard to be human. And because we live in a society where we're kind of expected to be superhuman, especially as women, we're expected to have it all. We're expected to have a perfect look, a perfect life, a perfect family, every, a perfect career now. Everything has to be perfect about our lives. Oh my gosh. So we mm. just like are obsessed. We're obsessed with trying to perfect, trying to put on a show, and we've lost ourselves along the way. Resonating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like the the leaving thing. I definitely... Like I've been trying to notice that more, especially with myself. My leaving is like um, listening to a podcast or just like always finding a way to stay busy rather than staying in whatever it is that I'm feeling or like eating. The addiction to busyness is legitimate. A hundred percent. And it's it's normalized. Uh So our culture says, of course you should be busy. You need to be a productive member of society. And look at how we treat people who aren't quote unquote productive. 
Look at people who have disabilities in ways that they can't show up like able-bodied people like us do. Look at how we treat them. Look at how we treat the elderly, right? Look at mm. how we treat people who can't be productive. That's terrifying. Yeah. I don't want to get mm. old because I'm going to be shunned and stuck in a nursing home. So I better look young, stay young, stay fit. And so even trends like the fitness, wellness, health movement can be a tool that we use for our betterment and it can very quickly be used as a tool for our leaving. Yeah, especially in LA. Oh, hands down. You know what I mean? The Yeah, the addiction to working out, the addiction to being well and kind of even using it to like separate ourselves from others, mm-hmm. you know, in a certain way. But yeah, the addiction to busyness is real. I was at Irwan the other day and I saw someone and I, we had just gotten back from our tour in New York and Boston and wherever I, I was in St. Louis after something. So we were gone for like 10 days and I just had landed that morning. And I took a nap and I got to year one and I was just like out of it. When I saw this person, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so out of it. I just took a nap. They're like, oh, I wish I could do, take a nap. And I was like, you can. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I was like, kind of just like, pause. Like I felt like I had to defend my nap. Mm. You know, I was like, Oh, I, I just got back from tour and you know, I was doing all this stuff and like, uh, and I was like defending the reason I took a fucking nap. Cause I felt like I was not being productive or staying busy that during that time. And I thought it was like such an interesting thing. So I was like, I hope that I never do that to someone. Not that they meant it, you know, sure. they did mm-hmm. not mean to. It's just, it's that programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure I've said it too. Yeah. Or you think it, you know what I mean? Especially when I was working my like nine to five job too. Like, well, it's funny how how things like when they speed up and you, you are experiencing maybe quote unquote success in whatever you're doing. I think like maybe the secret sauce is to take those times to pause and slow down in order. Like if you're in it for the long game, I just don't think we can maintain we're just going to miss the things that are going to be the opportunities Mm -hmm. for growth. What have you found to be in that stillness in those moments of just taking rest and silence? Like have there yeah. been thoughts that come up? Yeah. And it's not even necessarily, cause I know we have these conversations constantly about mindfulness and yoga and meditation and slowing things down. I challenge that it's not even necessarily about all of the things that mm. we do and then try to like, okay, so, oh, I'm, I'm distracted. So mm. I'm going to now be mindful as I wash my dishes more so even like, how am I using these tools to run away from something? Mm. Like, what am I running away from? Because I see people, I mean, yoga people are just as fucked and egoic as everybody else. It's not like if you meditate now every single day, you're, you're, you're still going to bring your stuff with you. So I'm more interested in, well, when you're feeling anxious and when you're feeling afraid and when you're feeling alone, what do you do then? What do you do to tend to yourself? How do you make sure you're not turning away from yourself? Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, both are important and I totally, totally honor mindfulness. I mean, I teach that. It's great. It's just, let's make sure that we're not compartmentalizing our own spirituality either. That we're not looking at, oh, when I'm on the meditation cushion, then I'm holy and I'm ego free. But then every other part of my life, I get to be this stressed out person who's very mean and rude and hurtful to myself and to other people. Mm. How would you do that? So how would you go about like turning inward and figuring it out? Like if I was to use myself as an example, like when, you know, I'm eating to numb or I'm just like staying busy or, you know, something like that, like what would I 
do. Like when I, I just, and sometimes I don't know if I'm stuffing a feeling down or I'm just like addicted to doing. Mm -hmm. And I just am like so hungry for like what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. This is what I, a lot of people like to call like shadow work, which I think sounds so fancy, but I don't, I think of it as just the work, which is a deep inquiry, a deep curiosity as to like, why, why am I eating right now? Like what's here? Like what's coming up within me that I'm feeling really uncomfortable around? And can I just create a little bit of space, even just like a teaspoon amount of space where I can hold whatever that is, even if it's just for five minutes and then I have to go back to eating because it's too much, Mm. you know? So it's about turning in. It's about getting curious. Why is it that when that person made that statement about my nap, I got judgmental of myself and my nap? Like, what is that about? Mm. What part of me feels like I'm unworthy of my own self-care? You know, what have I been taught about self-care and about loving myself when I was little that makes me now question whether even just taking a nap is okay for my mental health? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 It's so much work. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. And, you know, it doesn't have to be this big thing, I think is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't have to be, again, like you have to now go off and journal and spend hours, you know, dissecting yourself. But if we can remember any time that we're doing something that feels slightly off, we're reactive in a way that feels slightly off. If we can just take a breath and ask ourselves, like, what's here? Mm. What's, What's the invitation here? How can I be aware of what's happening in my body right here, right now? Mm -hmm. Then we start to open up and open up and like a crack starts to open, mm. right? Between the reactivity and our, you know, or the, the what is it? The stimulus and the response. And that's what we're always looking for mm. is that space. Yeah. In terms of people having access to this type of conversation yeah. or awareness, you know, we're having these conversations. Thank God podcasts exist, things like that books are accessible, but I mean, it's just kind of like a common thing in LA or New York, wherever it is to have kind of these like conversations about, you know, turning inward and all of that. Like what is our responsibility or what is, you know, your hope and your vision for kind of making this more Mainstream's the wrong word, but do you know what I'm saying? To make mm-hmm. it accessible to more people. Yeah. Oh, that's in a, a great digestible way. Yeah. That's a great question. I don't know if I'm curious about making my work digestible and if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think we have enough Tony Robbins. Completely. We have, I think, enough Gabby Bernsteins and Marion Williamsons to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. You know, those people are angels in that. They activate something. They start moving people in in ways, right? They start saying, huh, maybe I do have freedom in my life. Huh, maybe I'm not a complete victim to circumstance, right? Like those are those are the gateway drugs. Mm-hmm. I see entry level. Yeah. And that that serves. That's a purpose mm-hmm. that serves. Me in my work, I used to want to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now I realize I just want to be mm-hmm. for a small group of people who are really into going into that depth. You know, and so you're you're right. In many ways, I don't think my work is necessarily quote unquote accessible for people who aren't interested and willing and able to go there. Um, but if you're interested, if you're willing, then you're able. You know, like mm-hmm. the, I'm not some 
magical enlightened Dalai Lama. Like I'm a regular girl living in LA who have been doing this work for 10 years, my own internal work. And I'm finding that this is resonating and landing with a lot of people. And let me just go on a slight caveat. Here's what's important about not turning away from ourselves. And I want to make sure that I loop this in because this is really important for me right now. If we turn away from ourselves, we're also turning away from others. We can't show up for others if we're not showing up for ourselves, right? And so let's look at the ways that we as humans have been turning away from each other. Look, let's, let's look at our country right now with Trump. Let's look at the ways that we're turning away from immigrant children because we don't want to look because that stuff's uncomfortable. Mm. So we'd much rather be in the high vibes, love and light. Oh my God, I'm just going to get my green juice and not even read the news because it's so negative vibes. And like, I just can't even handle that shit. So like, I'm not even going to do with it. Mm. Like, let's talk about what we're really doing when we're doing that. Mm. If we're turning away from people who need us and we're not looking because it's too uncomfortable for us, what is that really saying? Mm -hmm. So we want to be conscientious that this work of like, not running away from ourselves. It's not just about ourselves. It's about making sure that we also have the capacity, the space to not turn away from our other human beings that are on this planet with us. Mm -hmm. And this is something we talked a little bit about in my first episode. And it has to be reiterated that we can't, we can't be living in this love and light bubble and expect anything to change. That's not accessible. Let's talk about accessibility. That's not accessible. This high vibe stuff is not accessible to the rest of the world because the rest, like I'm talking um, specifically like us white spiritual women of LA, like the, the ways that we surround ourselves in our lives, it's not accessible for the majority of the world. The, the drinks that we drink, the affordability of living a life that we do, it's not accessible for the rest of the world. I think too, like the white women of LA who are in that spiritual world, it's like, and I'm just not talking about everyone, but I don't think they want it to be that accessible. It almost feels like a club. It does. In certain communities. Absolutely. So that's interesting to think about. It's like, why? And also that does it's not- power. It's power, Lindsay, yeah. It's power. What should we do then? Oh, then we have to start talking about white privilege. Yeah, let's open yeah. it up. I mean, so, you know- the, the fundamental systems of our country was developed out of power. Everything's about power dynamics. And this is the best way I know how to think about and look at this stuff. It's like, think about the people who came to this country at the very beginning, right? They were predominantly white men and their families who wanted to get away from not being able to, you know, have the rights that they wanted in England. They come over and they decide that they're going to take over this land. Mm. Even though this land was already taken, there was already people living on this land. They decided, you know what? We're superior mm. and we're going to push you out and we're gonna live here, okay? So then they were like, okay, now we gotta create a sustainable economy. How's that gonna work? I know we'll take a bunch of people from a different country who looks different than us. So now we have a, that separation of color. We can make that, oh, they are an other because they don't look like me. So it's easier for us when we make people an other to subjugate them, to oppress them, right? So we're going to bring over slaves and we are going to have power over these people. And now they are going to fuel our economy. So our government system, the first systems in this country, our education system, was all developed out of white men holding power. The problem is that hasn't changed. 
that hasn't changed. It's just become more insidious. So you say, oh, well, racism is gone now. We live in a post-racial society because, look, we voted for Obama as president. But the thing is, if we look at who has access to the systems, who runs the systems, they're predominantly white men. And they they have a very exclusive club that you can't join because you have to be white and you have to be a male. We see that. So these systems keep certain groups of people oppressed and they call it because of their race or because of your gender, because you're not aligning with heteronormativity, because you're not cis, et cetera, et cetera. Cis meaning cisgendered, which means that you're born, um, you identify yourself as the same gender as the the sex that you were born with, right? That's what Mm -hmm. cisgendered means. And so we live in a society where white privilege benefits white people at the expense of everybody else. And so when you're talking about a group of people in LA who are exclusive, that's it's very accurate because mm-hmm. you want to be exclusive because if you make it inclusive, then that means you have to share power and you don't want to share power because it's nice to be white. Uh, hello, I've as a white woman, I've never had to, if a cop comes up, I never have to think I can get shot right now. I never thought that. I think, oh my gosh, a police. He's here to protect me. He's here to keep me safe, right? So first we have like patriarchy and that sucks because women have been oppressed for thousands of years. But then we have racism and white women participate in racism just as everybody, every other white person does. White women are not innocent. We are complicit because we also benefit from racism. Mm. But it's heartbreaking, especially when we're talking about the wellness industry and the coaching industry, the self-development industry. It's heartbreaking because we say things like women empowerment. We say things like, I don't see color. I see everybody as the same, right? Like, I don't don't see differences. Like, I'm a good white person. Like, I've had black friends and I have a black son and my dad's black and my this person's black. Like, I can't possibly be participating in what you're talking about. Um, But that's not how that works. You can participate in something simply because of the color of your skin. And so when we're talking about turning away, we also have to be conscientious of that. We can't be spiritual, truly. I believe, and this is my personal opinion, that we can't truly be spiritual if at the same time we're not willing to look at the unconscious biases that we carry against groups of people. That's profound. Yeah, I love that. So, but what are we to do besides educate ourselves? That's a great first place to start. And not just educate yourself, like um, like learning about racism as if it's a problem over there. Right. Because that's what we were taught in school. Mm-hmm. We were taught, oh, the civil rights era, Martin Luther King. We were taught about racism. Mm-hmm. We know that there used to be slaves in this country, but now it's all gone and it's all good, right? So I'm not talking about education as in like, oh, over there, that thing that exists over there that I don't participate in because I'm not a Ku Klux Klan member. So like, I'm not racist. No, education is like looking again and again and again at the ways that you personally participate in privilege, that you personally benefit from the mm. systems that the world is made out of. Look at it. Not because that means, because here's, this is again where the worthiness wound comes in, right? Because this gets scary for people. People are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, I don't have privilege. My life was really fucking hard. Like, I was born in a low class system and I don't have any money and I've had this trauma and I've had the sexual assault and I've had all these bad things happen to me. What are you talking about? I don't benefit from white privilege or I don't benefit from privilege. And we get very defensive 
offensive because what we hear when we say something like you got to look at your privilege is um, that you are not worthy. That you're not worthy. And that's not what we're saying. What I'm saying is we have to look at how the wind has been at our backs Mm. for something that we grew into. So are we to blame for white privilege? Am I personally, Thais Sky, responsible for white privilege? No, I didn't choose to be born this color of skin. Like I didn't choose to be born woman. Or, okay, maybe if we're talking about like, you know, soul karmic contract things, who knows? Maybe I chose this, but you know what I'm saying. But I do get to now decide to look at the ways that I may participate in it. So that's the first step is just start to look at the ways that you unconsciously participate. Look at like how many, like look at the books that you read on your bookshelf as, you know, as good spiritual women, we probably have tons of books on our bookshelves. Look at the color of the race of the product, like most people that you're reading from. Look, watch your TV, notice your favorite characters and what color are they? And then notice how they're portrayed on TV based on their color, right? Just start noticing like the groups of friends that you're with, like what, who, what do you, does it have like a good racial diversity or not? Why or why not? Um, that's not to say now go collect black friends, right? We're just being in the state of just noticing how bubbled we are mm-hmm. as white people. We tend to be very much in our little bubble. Look at how, you know, the ways that things were easier because you were white or because you were a woman or because you were a man. Look at how things are harder for us as women because we're women and not men. This is so frustrating to have this conversation with men, right? Because oh yeah, like just the other day I was walking to my car and a man stopped and I thought he was wanting to get my parking spot, right? And he looks over at me and I look over at him and I thought he was going to say, hey, are you leaving? So I lean in a little bit into the car and he goes, hey, you're, you're cute. You know, what are you doing? And this happens. This happens to us women mm-hmm. all the time. This is rape culture. Men don't have to worry about that, mm. right? Like my dad, my boyfriend, my brother, like all of my male mm. people in the world, they don't ever have to worry about walking the dog at 11 o'clock at night because they'll be fine. So it's hard to tell men, actually, like this is how it is for us. And we've been trying to say that for a long mm. time and it's very hard for them to see. So it makes sense that it's very hard for us as white people to see the ways that we participate from privilege because it's so hard to see, but I promise it's there. And there are so many abundant resources of women of color, specifically black women and indigenous women who are doing this work, who are showing all of the ways that racism is still very much alive and the ways that white women in particular are like really participating in that. So like Leila Saad and Rachel Cargill are two women that come up you know, right off the top of my head, they're so active on Instagram. Mm. They are constantly, constantly talking about white supremacy and white privilege and the ways that we can do better as white women. So like go there, start following women of color who are talking about this stuff. Start noticing what they're saying Mm. and really see if you can listen. These are the same tools that we can use when we're doing our own work. For example, educate yourself. Okay, yeah, you can educate yourself on all the crystals that you want, but that's not going to do you any good. Educate yourself on how you can use those crystals in your actual life, right? There's a difference between learning how to make a green smoothie and actually making a green smoothie. It's the same thing. Learn how it applies in your life. And then if you're doing meditating, if you're doing yoga, you really want to be in a space of curiosity. You want to be listening rather than immediately going and teaching yoga, right? Immediately telling the yoga teacher, "Uh uh-uh, I know what's better. We want to be in a place of being a student. So it's the same thing here. It's the same work. 
internal, external. This is how we don't turn away from ourselves and each other. What do you say to the the argument, and this isn't an argument or a feeling that I have, but I can imagine that in LA, sure. someone would say this, is that focusing on the negative brings more negative or focusing on that Ooh, brings more of that. You know, I love that argument. Yeah. What do you say to that? That that's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I used to believe this. So maybe I should have started off with this. Like I used to believe all of this. I used to believe in manifesting. I used to believe in like being a good white spiritual woman. There's so many photos I have of my malas and all of my things. Like I'm a good white woman. Okay, people. It's like I really (laughs) participated in the spiritual world. I was a yoga teacher. Like I did so good. So I just want to say that I'm sharing all of this because I've been through it. So I'm not a preacher. I'm not on some high horse. I'm not here Mm -hmm. being like, I'm all evolved. Like follow me. No, 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 no. I'm just sharing my mistakes and my journey and my path. Um, and so I used to believe that. Like, I don't want to surround myself with anything negative, with the haters, with the with the bad news, because then I'm going to feel shitty, right? Instead, the way I look at it now is, you know, if you don't look at a wound, like if you get a cut on your leg and it's a pretty big gash and you don't look at it and you don't tend to it and you don't get it taken care of, it's going to get worse. It's going to fester and eventually it's going to become so much worse. You're going to have to probably cut off that leg, right? So it's not that we are now obsessing with only looking at the bad stuff. Rather, it's the invitation is if you want to have a clean closet, you have to clean your closet. If you, want to, if you want to have your life be in congruency, you have to look at the ways that it's not. This is the epitome of shadow work and looking at the shadows of our society. If we want to have um, the ability to stay with all of who we are and not be afraid of a part of ourselves, we have to develop that muscle by looking at the things that are uncomfortable to look at. That's how you develop resiliency. That's how you develop strength. You develop strength by going through the dark. I always say like the light saved me from drowning. And by light, I mean like the light tools, you know, the meditation and the yoga, they saved me from drowning. When I found Mm. spirituality, I was at the throes of my binge eating. I was so miserable. I was so alone. I was so isolated. I was dying, right? Soul dying. And I found the light and it saved me from drowning. But it was the dark that taught me how to swim. It was the dark that taught me how to navigate the complex waters of being human. We can't push away any part of ourselves and expect wholeness. So we can't push away any part of our society and expect a congruent place to live. And so if you're you're a true change maker, if you believe that you're wanting to make the world a better place and you're not looking at the faults and the wounds and the things that are broken, how do you expect yourself to build a really strong foundation? So after we are going in and kind of seeing where we are individually upholding like these um, systemic oppression, systemic, thank you, oppression, I have this like feeling of like, am I, and maybe this is worthiness, am I worthy of like bringing up a conversation about this? Because I'm a privileged white girl, Mm, you know, like even just like in we have such a beautiful group and people have been so vocal and I just like, this is, it's so important. And sometimes I just feel like, well, I'm a privileged white girl. Like Mm -hmm. where, where do I even begin? I think to contribute to the conversation. I think that that's where a lot of people are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So I just want to name that. Yeah. But that's where a lot of people are. And I also want to name that being silent is in many ways being complicit. Of course. Right. But I just want to name yeah. that too. I know yeah, you know yeah. that, but like, let's also add that too. Mm-hmm. So we can, I can honor the humanity of all of us struggling so hard to find ways to grapple with these really big, complex conversations. And at the same time, the invitation is to grapple. Mm-hmm. It's to go in mm-hmm. because not going in has a cost. Yeah. So, you know, I wish I had the answer. I wish I could say, well, this is how you start or this is what you do. Mm-hmm. Again, there are so many resources available with, you know, people who are doing this work. But for me personally, how I started is by just starting. I just started. I just said it. And then I said it again. And you start getting stronger in that and you start learning. Because as we do, we learn. Yeah. So we learn faster. Mm. But this idea that like you're just a a white privileged woman, you know, you are a privileged white woman and privilege comes responsibility. Like I would love for white men, white CEOs, you know, who are running these big companies to be engaging in this conversation. I would love that more than anything as a woman. Why do I fucking have to do all the work? Like, I would love for them to take a moment and be like, you know what? I think that there are still sexist and racist things going on in this company. And like, I'm will, I, I'm going to say that there's something going on and I don't know much, but like, I'm going to start hiring people and we're going to start making shit better here for all of you all. I would love that. Right. So it's not that the, he's now a savior. It's not like he's stepping in and being like, mm-hmm. I'm going to save you women. You know, like I'm going to now personally mentor women so they can feel more confident. We're not talking about the saviorism of needing to save anybody. No mm-hmm. one needs to be saved. What we're doing is we're acknowledging, listen, I have privilege that I didn't ask for, but here I am. I have it. And that means I have a responsibility now to use that privilege. Mm-hmm to use it to the benefit of other people. And so you too, you know, you have a whole community. And so you have a responsibility, not just as leaders, but as spiritual white women to be having these conversations. What that looks like and how that looks like is completely up to you and how comfortable you are. And you'll get more and more comfortable with it. But we have to remember that at the end of the day, ignoring it, being silent about it is is just as bad. It's just as bad. It's turning away from ourselves. It's saying, I'm so afraid of my own unworthiness that I'm not willing to take a stand for another human life. And listen, we've all been there. We've all been there. But then that there's a cognitive dissonance there because you can't technically be a nice white woman if you're simultaneously, you know, oppressing other people. And so a lot of times what we do is then we don't look at how we oppress, right? Mm. But the, the invitation is actually, no, please look, get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable, feel the shame, feel that shame because shame doesn't kill anybody. You know what I mean? It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling, a feeling that we can all navigate. And the more that you learn how to navigate these feelings without making it mean anything about you, Mm. the more you can then hold positive emotions too, right? Like the more you can hold a container for like the yuckier emotions, the more you're going to be able to actually experience tremendous amount of freedom and happiness. Yeah, that's interesting being able to kind of recognize and hold the shame without having it be personal. Yes. Because I think so, so many people get caught up because they take it personally. Yes. So the shame would be around. Oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. Okay. I'm racist. Yeah. 
That's or like, I'm shameful. shameful that I have white privilege. Yes. Or I'm shameful that I've participated in this all my life and I never knew. I thought we were doing good as liberal people. Turns out liberal people are, are negatively contributing to our systemic oppression, particularly racism. So it's, it's shameful, right? Because you, you've carrying this idea of who you are your entire life. And now suddenly this chick on your phone, Thais, I don't even know who this person is, is telling me I'm racist. Like, whoa, that's uncomfortable. And so we immediately feel this like burning shame. Like, oh my gosh, is she right? That's awful. I can't tolerate this feeling. I make it personal and make it mean all these things about me. So I'm just going to turn off. I'm going to turn away. And the thing is, again, Feelings are just feelings. This is something I teach and I'm very committed to teaching. It's about emotions and emotional resiliency because I don't feel like ours. I feel like we live in a very emotionally illiterate culture and we do not know how to navigate our emotions. And then as women, we're criticized for being emotional. You're so emotional as if that's a bad thing. Like, hello, that's amazing. It means that we're intuitive. It means that we're in flow, but we've been taught like, oh, that's a bad thing. We have to be in our logic right? We live in a very hyper-masculine society where the logic rules. Like, how do you make a decision? You make your pros and cons list. Like, everything's about, like, the logic. There's no space for emotions because emotions are erratic. And so because we're never taught how to be with our emotions, we don't know how to navigate our emotions. Just like with the whole, if I don't look at negativity then, you know, everything will be fine. But actually what happens when you don't look at negativity is that you can't actually deal with it. And that's heartbreaking that we're creating in our spiritual practices, a whole generation of women who are terrified of looking at anything that's uncomfortable. That terrifies me because our world is uncomfortable, because our world is suffering, because there is suffering. And if we don't know how to hold our own pain, how the hell are we supposed to hold the pain for for anybody else? Um, But anyway, emotions don't kill us. We can hold them. We do have the capacity to do that. Um, And so particularly with shame, because that's an inevitable part of waking up to our white privilege is shame. Um, And so when we feel shame, the invitation, I always say invitation, right? Because I don't like to tell people what to do, but the offering is, can I be, just let this emotion run through my body. Can I feel what it feels like in my body? And can I know that this will pass? This isn't permanent. This doesn't mean anything about me. This is just an emotion. It's data, not direction. It's just here to tell me something. It's telling me that I've not been looking at this for a very long time, probably my entire life, right? Mm. I do feel like I'm not speaking, I guess, for our girls, but maybe from my understanding of the messages that we've been sharing within our audience and sort of the responses that we've been receiving and the messages that have been transmuting to them that they are applying to their lives. Mm. I feel like people are just starting to wake up to working on themselves. And maybe I'm assuming that of our almost 30 nation is now using these tools to apply to their life, to be better, to feel more like themselves, to be happier. So I could see like feeling like, okay, so I have these things and it's almost like, do people need to feel good and whole and like, work on their shadow before they take, not that I'm saying that no one should be taking this on. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just like, do people feel that way that they're like, I have so much to deal with on my own, not even white people, but other races of people probably feel like they have so much to deal with on their own that it's hard to like 
turn around and see everyone else. Hands down. Absolutely. And that is exactly why we don't look. Yeah. We're so in our own shit yeah. that we do, can't even fathom looking I at know. other people's stuff. And I don't, I don't also want to say that we have to do our own work exclusively before we can do the work yeah. of other people, because that's also very harmful. It's kind of like, um, like there's a phrase that I think gets tossed around a lot. is like, you can't love other people until you love yourself. And that sounds really nice sometimes, you know, so that sounds really nice, but actually I haven't found that to be the case. In fact, I've often found that like, it's by people loving me when I felt the most unlovable mm. that helped me find my own love I for agree. myself. So it's more like a circle. It's, it's both can be true. You it can, can help you see the love in yourself. Exactly. So you can both be loved and, you know, do the work of loving yourself and use that as a beautiful play off of each mm. other. And yep. so I think it's the same thing here. Instead of looking at, oh my gosh, so much pain in the world I can't handle or oh my gosh so much pain in myself I can't handle it's like how can we use the tools that we're applying in our own lives to better ourselves how can we make sure that we're also using those tools to extend outwards to see beyond our noses mm. to make sure that our lives isn't just about ourselves mm. because it's very addicting to just be constantly obsessed with ourselves and our own problems and it's naive to think that our problems are going to go away right mm-hmm. that like at some point in the future my life is going to be so perfect and I'm going to like have everything that I want. And then, then I can deal with everybody else's problems. That's naive. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. Um, Sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but you know, we get the opportunity to really use these tools for both ourselves and others. Now, you as an individual listening to this, get to decide to what extent and what that looks like. If you are deep in your addiction right now, let's say you're reco- you're a recovering alcoholic and you're deep in your process, then maybe right now, yeah, you need to focus on like getting your stuff together a little bit here. You know, like your mental health is important and I don't want us to be martyrs either. Self-care is critical. And if you've been out of recovery and you're like, or if you're out of your your own hellhole, right? Like if you're feeling recovered and you're feeling more grounded and you're feeling like you're able to start putting your life back together, then it's an opportunity for you to start looking at the world outside of your own nose. That's not right. Nose? Out of your own... What? <laughs> out of your own tits. <laughs> that, there we go. Well, that's, that's what I say. That's what we'll say. That's what we'll say. Because I don't want us to annihilate ourselves. Remember, this is where we started. Yeah. Like, I don't want us to be using this new knowledge of white privilege and racism for us to now then feel even worse Mm. about ourselves. Like, oh, now here's another thing that I'm a problem. And then, right, it activates our worthiness wound. And then we go into our spiral of like, oh, I'm such a bad person. Like, even this is apparently my fault, right? Mm. We don't want to do that. And wherever we are doing that, we want to honor that. But it's... Just, I don't want us to be using our pain as an excuse, but rather as a catalyst. I guess I'm just scared almost to fuck up. And like, maybe that's a shame. Of course thing, you are. But I'm like, we all are. You know, and it's like really to be thinking about it, it's part of our evolution. And, you know, in our, within our evolution, um, talking about suicide, mental health, mm-hmm. rape, 
you know, all of those things we've evolved and continually talked about and been open to talking about. So it's like, this is part of it and starting the conversation with you before having the conversation, um, in previous conversations and kind of talking about it more. So now it's like part of how we're evolving as a community. So that's kind of like where I see the conversation going with us is really making sure to weave it into the conversations that we're having with the guests that we're having. We have been working on it for the past months now. Um, so it hasn't been like a a new topic to us Mm -hmm. internally and our team, um, at almost 30, we talk about it every day. We've been talking about it every day for the past couple months now. And it's kind of frustrating that it has the situations or the guests that we've been wanting to come on to have these conversations haven't come to fruition. Um, So that's really frustrating to be honest, is that I'm kind of getting emotional about it because we care about it so much and we want to do right by our audience. And we want to make sure that they are exposed to these conversations so it's, it's hard that we haven't had them yet, but I know they're coming and I know the right ones will come when they do. Yeah. Well, and this is something that I contributed in the conversation in the Facebook group. You know, yeah, it's like, we want to be careful when we're starting to, as leaders, you know, we're like, oh my, like, okay, for me, let's talk personally. For me, I'm like, I had a podcast before the one I have now and they were predominantly white guests. And when I started waking up to my white privilege and to whiteness and to how white the spiritual community is out of a decision, not because there aren't people of color in the spiritual communities, but because of, you know, we've isolated ourselves. So as I started waking up to this, I was like, oh my gosh, like, my podcast is contributing to the problem. Like I need to fix this right now. The danger is it runs the risk of tokenizing people of color, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like bringing people of color on just to add check marks to our diversity boxes, just to say, Oh, I'm diverse. I'm a good person. Look, I'm not racist. Check. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's what you two are doing at all, but I'm just saying for me, that was the risk that I was running because I noticed that I was collecting people of color in my communities as M&Ms as a way of being like, oh my God, now I get to be this good white person because I have all these like people of color in my circle. Um, And I had to take a radical step back and really look at myself. And what I've come to recognize is that the more I do my own work of understanding my privilege, understanding how my teachings were perpetuating white privilege, how my teachings were inaccessible to every woman and they were from only from a white lens, right? The more I started to understand, the more people of color naturally started to feel safe in coming into my community. Mm. And they started to feel safe and say yes to being podcast guests. And they started to want to contribute to that conversation. So wherever I see any area, community groups where I'm not seeing a lot of people of color, the only thing that that tells me is that they don't feel safe. Because if they felt safe in that space, they would be there. Mm. Um, Safe meaning that they feel like they're being seen. So let's talk about colorblindness for a minute, because that's something that we hear a lot. Like, I don't see color. I don't know why this is such a big deal. You're only inviting people who are really good, you know, guests or whatever. Like, what does it matter what race they are? But when we say something like that, it's very equivalent to a man saying, I don't see gender when they look at me. I'm like, excuse you? Like my gender has defined my life. Like being a woman has defined me. My womb, right? Like this stuff, my breasts, my my figure has defined me. And my life is judged based on that. Mm. 
Like people will say, you're a woman and they will make certain decisions about who I am based on that. So if somebody says, oh, I don't see gender, like I, then I'm like, then you don't actually see me. You don't actually see the experience of my life. And so I'm not going to feel safe with you because I don't feel like you're actually witnessing me. It's the same thing when we say that to a person of color, when we say, oh, I don't see black or white, I'm colorblind. Well, then what you're really saying is their lived experience as a black person in our society is not important to you. And so they won't feel safe. They won't feel safe in, in sharing their fullest expression because you're not honoring their lived experience, right? So it's like, we want to be really conscientious of how to create that safe space. And we do that. The best way that we can do that is by first dropping these stories about colorblindness and really looking at the uncomfortable truths that is in the back of our heads about what we believe about people of color, about black people, about Muslims, about immigrants. What do we really believe, you know? And it's dirty. It's airing out our dirty laundry. You know, it's cleaning out that closet. But hey, how can we step into wholeness if we're not looking at all of who we are? Mm. Yeah. I've never, I don't think anything. Like, it's like, I'm literally just so wrapped up in this and doing this. It's like, I don't even, th- I don't even like look at like anyone, any of my friends, what they're doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't even look at like myself. I don't look at like what anyone else is doing. Like, I don't, the people that we have are people that have pitched us, have been directly co- connected to us. It's sure. like, I haven't even like had a chance to like look at the world and be like, what conversations are happening? What should be happening? And that's most people. Yeah. Honestly, you're just a representation of most people. I mean, look, also, you know, black people make up 12% of our population. So, you know, I think white Americans, I think they make up something like 55% or 60% of our population. So just by those numbers alone, like, of course. And then if I look like when I think about how I grew up and like the neighborhood that I grew up in my neighbors, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we are comfortable in white only spaces and only seeing whiteness because that's all we've seen. That's all we've known as, uh, you know, upper middle class white people. And... The minute you start understanding that, then you have a real choice. Do you want to continue that or is it time for, you know, to do something differently? Mm -hmm. And for me personally, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't run a business this way anymore. Mm -hmm. This is what we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't run a business where I'm only teaching about these white principles. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't uphold this system while also talking about women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. And so I'm a fast mover. I mean, that's just who I am. I like move really fast and I just made that shit happen really fast. And I dove in and I made it happen really fast. I don't expect anybody else to move in the speed of which I did, but we do have to move. And that's what both of you are doing now. You are moving, you are making it happen. You're opening up the space, you're educating yourselves. And this is, this is important work. It's important. It's reverence. It's reverence. Mm. 
right? That's how we want to be approaching this. Not willy-nilly. This is not a conversation about lip gloss. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not a conversation about what is the best smoothie to make. Like this is people's lives at stake. So I love that you're worried. I love that you're scared because it means that you understand the weight, the consequence, the responsibility that is here. I think that's very important to be not um, willy-nilly about this stuff, but use that fear to be grounded to be thoughtful and to keep moving forward. Mm. Just a lot of pressure. Well, I'm also thinking about, I'm hearing you like you just have to do and you have to start those conversations and be doing that work. And then is there on the side of, you know, you know, women of color, like if they're, if they have been, um, in their experience, you know, seeing white women as just privileged Mm. and aloof and in their own heads and, you know, not really paying attention to what's really going on. You know, our responsibility is to, you know, kind of break down what has been upheld as oppressive, but is there work on that side that would kind of create a full circle I don't know how to describe this, just kind of like an energy exchange where it does become a really like fluid conversation. Cause right now I know we have a lot of work to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not expecting other people to do that work equally, but do you understand what I do? You hear what I'm saying? No, no I really don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess, you know, if w- what you're saying is that we need to do this work. And by doing this work, eventually, you know, women of color will feel comfortable sitting down and having conversations and feel safe. Sure. You know, and on, and listen, I just also want to add that perfectionism is a real bitch, right? So I'm not saying like you have to be these perfect quote unquote allies and only then, right? Life is a lot more fluid than that. I'm sure there are plenty of people of color who'd be willing to to be in a space where they know what they're getting themselves into and they know that they're talking, you know, to a group of white women who are, you know, ignorant. I mean, there, there's, the, there's the full spectrum. So I don't want to speak up for people of color or their experience or what they want or what they need. I'm simply speaking for myself in that, you know, we have to just start the conversations and internally and externally. And however way that shakes out is how it will shake out. I don't think that that answered your question. No, it did in a way. Okay. Yeah. You know, just as there are women who hate women because of patriarchy. There are black women who hate black people because of racism. We've all been indoctrinated by the same juice. Like we've all drank the same goddamn Kool-Aid since birth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So how people respond to racism and sexism is none of my business. So how people of color respond to racism, whether it's to pretend like it doesn't exist, to uphold it, to say it doesn't matter, that is that is on them. That is mm-hmm. not on me. My responsibility is to look at how I'm upholding yeah. systemic oppression. Yeah. That answers the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you feeling about this? This is a heavy topic. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, I guess it's, it's, I think about it all the time. I think about it a lot. And I just, 
want to do right by our audience. So that's why I think about it. And I just feel like, and it's a good thing and I'm willing to take it on and I'm willing to take it on times a hundred, but it's a lot of pressure to be a leader of a community in this way. What's the, what's the tears? Like, what are, what are you feeling? I just, I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah. I ever like, I think about it all the time. I talk about it all the time. What's the fear? I don't have a fear. It's like, I guess I have a fear of like messing it up or like mm-hmm. not being successful at it or like negative repercussions of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, if you're going to do like, it's quite a fucking step to do like, again, have a podcast. Like this is what you eat to have a flat tummy <laughs> and then have a podcast. That's like, Hey, like let's break down patriarchy. And like, this is why we're living in a system that like oppresses black people on a continuous basis. Like that is fucking hard. Yeah. And it's like, not really, no one's really doing it in our way. And it's hard for me to have a conversation. That's like, I like to remain positive and I like to remain funny and fun. And I like to also feel comfortable being myself. And that's one of the things that I feel like is most important in my messaging is for people to feel comfortable being themselves. So it's like, it's just a lot like, well, I think the gift that you both can offer is to do this imperfectly and not die. And then people are going to start to recognize that they can do it too. And they too won't die. Because that's how it sometimes feels. It feels like, like an ego death. Like we're going to like, oh my God, the negative. Yeah, right, I was the just negative. about to say, like my ego is totally triggered. Like right. with, when thinking about yeah. we are in the public eye in a way we, yeah. we have a, there's a community. But this is what needs to be seen. I know. People need to see this yeah. because people are so scared of having real conversations because of, this exact fear, but Mm -hmm. both of you have the tools, have the support, you know how to make this happen. And so doing it imperfectly is a gift. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to wait until some perfect moment in time to broach these conversations. I want y'all to do it imperfectly and you will mess up. And then guess what? You will apologize and you will move forward because that's it. That's what happens. Yeah. We make a mistake. We say something. I, I mean, you know, I'm constantly saying things. I'm, mm, I feel like people are so unforgiving nowadays though. Like you can't fucking but say it's shit. kind of on them. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like you're exactly. saying, it, it's only our business, how we interpret, you know, uh, racism and oppression. And, and it's our job. I, I honestly think, yeah, now that I think about it, we do take it personally in the moment. Make of no course, mistake. And you are allowed to do that. You are allowed to do that. You are allowed to have all of the feelings, all of them. And when you mess up, you say, I'm sorry. I didn't know better. I'm committed to doing better. Mm. You, you own it. You own the apology. And then you move forward. And now you will know better because you, and do better. So, you know, people are unforgiving no matter what. People are having opinions no matter what. Mm -hmm. They're having opinions about you not saying anything. They're going to have opinions about you saying anything. You're Mm going to lose people. You're going to get pushback. You're going to get people that are going to be so infuriated at you because they want to stay in their bubble. 
God bless them. God bless America. But that's no longer, we no longer have that excuse that, that, um, not excuse. What I'm trying to say, we no longer have that privilege because we're living in a country where people are being locked in cages. This is way beyond us. It's way beyond us. So we've got to be very gentle with our little fragile ego because he was going to demand a lot of attention. And then we've got to keep moving forward. And what you'll find is that you won't die. You'll get stronger. You'll get more confident. You'll be able to like see people, you know, you'll be able to hold more space for yourself. It's the most incredible, incredible journey. The awakening journey, this awakening to my whiteness is akin to me of awakening to spirituality where I've fallen more in love with myself and fallen more in love with life the more I've allowed in these uncomfortable conversations because I'm no longer running away. I'm no longer living in misalignment. I'm no longer ignoring. I'm looking and I'm learning as quickly as possible. Yeah. Mm. So do it imperfectly. Do it. Do it imperfectly. It's beautiful for people to see that. You know, there is a tremendous responsibility. You're allowed to be scared. And there's a really amazing gift that you're offering your community. And of course, the worthiness one will come up and then you all will call me and I'll be over here and be like, yes, let me tell you about the worthiness wound because that's a real bitch sometimes. But it's just an emotional wound. Again, it does not have to run our lives. Yeah. Insert joke here. I know. Something funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think also just, you know, last few things, but um, it's like that fear of being seen for what I thought for my entire life was, you know, acceptable. Like I'm just thinking about my upbringing and Mm -hmm. maybe... I obviously was very privileged and just like thinking about um, maybe family that would perpetuate oppression, not in a a way that was what they knew to be conscious, but sure. They just did. Yeah. And like to be kind of like seen as that feels like I'm like naked running Mm -hmm. around, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I love the idea of you falling more and more in love with yourself. Cause I do like, it, it is this uncomfortable, like, oh God, that's the part of me that's like, uh, like really ugly, mm-hmm. but I've never talked about it. And right. I'm, you know, I'm sure all of my friends that I grew up with, we could have a conversation now about, you know, maybe, you know, things that parents would say on the regular basis that was just like kind of things. Yeah. And we never really thought anything about it. But like, if I really go back and dig deep, I mean... It's there. It's there for all of us. Mm -hmm. It's the little comments that our dad made, little things that was said that we laughed off, you know, Mm -hmm. and everyone has it. Everyone has it. And, you know, the, the next thing, I guess, after you start to educate yourself is to start having these conversations. You don't have to have, for those of you listening, you don't have to have a platform with 5,000, you know, Facebook people in order for you to be having these conversations. In fact, it's actually more monumental, I think, to be having these conversations with your friends, to literally have a sit down mm. dinner with a bunch of your friends and be like, so let's talk about this, you know, and do it messily and it's uncomfortable. But like next time your dad says something that's like, dad, I think that's racist. That's not okay to say anymore. At least not in front of me. 
And that's it. You don't have to bitch out. You don't have to like make it some whole thing. We're not talking about removing family members unless, you know, you feel like you need to. But, you know, it's like, let's have these conversations. Let's have them more often. Let's be talking about these, um, these things. And you're going to start to notice the patterns that white people tend to act, do, you know, when they don't want to talk about these things. And you're going to start getting more familiar. So then when it happens virtually online, you know how to navigate it a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But it's good. It's good to be talking about this because you're getting practice. First off, second of all, you're influencing your community, the people in your life. And that, that's, gosh, that's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's everything. That's being in alignment. Totes. It does feel like that. Mm-hmm. Thais guy. Oof. You're the best. Well. Thank you. You know, this is... um wild. It's wild that this is the world that we live in. It's wild that this is the world that we've inherited. And now we get to decide what type of ancestors we want to be. You know, we get to decide what legacy we want to leave beyond just the Facebook, beyond just the podcast, beyond just this moment right here, right now. Where do we want, like, what do we want our children and our grandchildren to know about what we stood for Mm -hmm. and how we stood up for that? And if that's not the greatest spiritual practice, then I don't know what is, you know? I do. So thank you for having me and for being open for this conversation. Um, I'm really excited about where you two continue to take the conversation. Um, I know that it will feel messy and uncomfortable and it will also be very powerful. And I think your community is very lucky Mm -hmm. to have both of you being willing to have this because I know that a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you? Oh, well, speaking of social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I am Thais Sky. Um, you can find me on my website, ThaisSky.com. You know, mm. all of the places. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Beautiful. Thanks, guys, for listening. We love you so much. And we we'll love see you, you next week. Bye. <laughs> Hello, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, had a little moment there. No, sh- no shame. Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to do right by everyone that listens. And I take the relationship we have with you guys very seriously. And I take the relationship I have with the people that we have on and the people that we will have on very seriously too. It may not seem like it, but I do. Okay. Really fast. want to read a review that I love. From one of our amazing listeners. So we are reading reviews from you babes because it makes our life so good. We've gotten like 500 or so in the past like month. We're at like 1200 or something like that. So <laughs> it's true. I know. It's amazing. It's okay. The girl talk I've always wanted. First off, thank you from the bottom of my heart to Kristen Lindsay for creating this podcast in the Facebook group. I love when they say something about the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. I feel like this podcast has been a wonderful getaway for what really sets my soul on fire. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll buy a lot of limes, lube, and supplements. That's so <laughs> fucking funny. I have gotten to know myself so much better and have had a million aha moments. So many topics have been presented that I wanted to know more about or never knew I needed. Their tour stop in Seattle was amazing. They connected with everyone so genuinely and were giving so giving with their time, words, and hugs. Love you forever. Ashlack. Oh, love you forever. So good seeing you, honey. 
We love you guys on tour, man, man. Um, All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is an important conversation that is just the beginning. And um, we appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability um, and you sharing your experience. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, we know that everyone's coming from a place of love and doing their best with what they know. So we are going to continue to learn and share with you. And again, if you love this podcast, share it with someone that you love, spread the love. Um, and we will see you guys next week. See you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye.